You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 How many AFL players, Kane, have you seen uh, chase snakes off a road? <laughs> I, you know, normally I know what the hell you're talking about in the morning. I literally have no clue what the hell you're talking about, but um, my answer is zero. Um, it was a, a news report on Channel 7 that, that came up on my phone. Uh, Brent Staker rescues a snake from getting run over on a busy highway. That's that's maybe, what's a, that's what's accounting for news up in Queensland. Well, you know, I mean, maybe Brent Staker, like after uh, Barry Hall knocked him out, maybe he thinks he's Steve Irwin now, and he's just out there chasing snakes. I have no idea. That's strange. I, I had no idea what he was up to. So good for him. He's also the uh, Brisbane Lions AFLW assistant coach. He was driving along the road and saw a snake in uh, in a lane, got out of the car, and uh, pulled it off the road in case it got run over. So there you go, Brent Staker. That's what he's up to: coaching footy and rescuing snakes. Good for him. AFLW, the draft last night as well. I was actually watching AFL 360, and I'm not going to profess to be some kind of AFLW expert. In fact, I haven't watched a lot of it at all, but Ali McKenzie, number one pick to the Tigers. By the way, it feels, even though it's a completely different competition, it feels wrong that Richmond had the number one pick in this draft, but uh, she was interviewed on AFL 360, and I don't know if you saw it, but she was she was impressive. I tell you what, she spoke better than... Uh, most of the, the blokes that get drafted, I'll say that. I haven't seen that interview, but uh, I know Richmond's AFLW team uh, struggled last year in, in their first mm. in their first year. So they had pick one. The Bulldogs had pick two, uh, Jess Fitzgerald going there. Um, they had th- Bulldogs actually had three first-round picks in the in the women's draft. They also had four first-round picks last year somehow. So just stockpiling draft picks. But it, great to see. the uh, Obviously hard for young players coming through in both the men's and the women's in Victoria, especially with leagues being uh, disbanded or, or not disbanded, cancelled for the season. But see these young kids, uh, young kids coming through. And uh, I know like when my son is playing your footy down at his local team. There's a lot of girls' teams there. They they run you know, multiple teams per age group down there as well. So you know, girls' footy and women's footy is, is massively growing at the moment. And it's massive to see you know, the draft and the interest in it as well. It was kind of interesting to me. And I, I think, and again, you know, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I, I think that the standard is only going to get better. I mean, I think that's obvious. But what Ali said was that, she actually has been able to play footy right through the ranks. Yeah. And I, I think that's the interesting thing. Like now the girls that are being drafted are actually in the position where they've actually been able to play junior footy right through. So clearly over the next few years, it's only going to get better. But yeah, good for them. Good for them. Hopefully uh, they can have a, a full season this year, whatever format that ends up being, and and, and everything goes ahead. And then there's, a, there's a girl that plays uh, down at Ben's Club who plays in the boys' team in the in the under 14s. But in like they've got four under 14s teams, and she plays in the in the first team. That's how good she is. So she's going to have to move into the women's pathway after that. But she is a uh, I'm not going to say her name. Don't want to put too much pressure on her. But she's uh, I think we're going to see her AFL uh, W draft night in a couple of years' time. So there's some really good uh, women footballers coming through. We've got other news in the uh, in in the blokes stuff. Uh, Bulldogs best and fairest held last night. Caleb Daniel won the best and fairest ahead of Marcus Bontempelli. Uh, Tom Libertore came in third. And then we also had some, uh, unless you had a reaction to that, Kane? 
No reaction. Good for yep. him. Yep. He had a pretty good year. Yep. Uh, he was going. He was always going to come top two or top three and ended up winning it. So congratulations to Caleb for his first best and fairest. Looks like Sean Higgins may be on his way out of North, something we've talked about all year with North, that they should have looked to move on from Higgins and Goldstein earlier. We talked about Hig- uh, Goldstein yesterday. Now it looks like Higgins could be heading down to Geelong. I believe he played for the Geelong Falcons. He's from Geelong originally and looked to be heading down there. Just another another high-profile midfielder that Geelong's looking to squeeze into the salary cap somehow. Yeah, I don't know what, he, what his deal would be, but uh, it's kind of hard to... To really think about the Cats adding a, another older type player, but there'll probably be a couple that'll finish up. Gary Ablett, obviously the, the most notable one. So I guess they'll be uh, waiting to, to figure out what happens in, when their season ends. But uh, Higgins, uh, I guess, still a little bit in the tank. I can certainly understand why he wouldn't be too excited about the thought of playing for North Melbourne next year, put it that way. Yeah, I, I can see him you know, doing that, moving back down to Geelong on, on a team that's obviously you know, still in contention now. The six teams left could continue to to go through into uh, further finals, so, and he'd be a key piece. I think he'd be a better addition than, say, what Jack Stephen has been. He's obviously playing at a higher level than, than that, so he can move in and be another key cock. Into the energy mentioned, he is a player that can move forward into that ablet role as well. He started off as a forward before becoming a midfielder, so he knows how to, how to find the goals. Um I think before we talk about the the big trade news, let's talk some uh, some Collingwood stuff because we have harped on about this. Brody Majek, they still can't get a contract done with him at Collingwood. Yeah, so basically the the latest reports that have come out here with uh, Brody Majek is basically that the Pies are most likely. I don't know, most likely is a little bit strong, but it, it's looking like they could just get squeezed out with the salary cap. Uh, they're looking at deals for Darcy Moore, Jordan Dugowie. Josh Dacos as well. They have got a three-year deal on the table, but uh, from what has been reported, the money is is just not much more than what he's getting paid right now. And we've spoken about the fact he's been a rookie for the last three years and well within his rights at 27 as well. Uh, so this is a guy that's a little bit older now, even though coming into the first real contract negotiations, but he's been a, a key cog of this Collingwood team. Uh, they have been a team that's really struggled to kick goals and struggled up forward, but he's been a relatively consistent force up there. So again, as we spoke about last week, at that age, coming into really the prime of his career, uh, having just won a final essentially off his own boot against West Coast in you know the great upset that that was on the road, uh, I said it the other day, this is the time if I was him, I'd be saying, listen, pay me or I'm going somewhere else because I'm going to be able to cash in on what could be a, a pretty impressive finals campaign. Uh, certainly got off to a good start here. But if the Pies can't afford to to, to fit him in, then I, I can see him saying, stuff it. I, I've got to look after myself. I've got to go get paid and go elsewhere. Yeah, we said that weeks ago, that there's a chance that he's just going to be like, well, I'm out of here because I, I need to get that money that I haven't been getting paid over the last three years. And now you're know, saying that his deal, the report is, only includes a modest pay rise and... The Collingwood's right to prioritize re-signing Darcy Moore, Jordan Degoe, and Josh Dacos ahead of him. I don't think you could really argue with that. If they have to be re-signed, then my check might just have to be a casualty there. But he joins an impressive list of key forwards who could potentially be moving. Ben Brown, we already know. Joe Danaher. Jeremy Cameron in that mix as well. Tom McDonald, perhaps leaving Melbourne. Um, yeah, there's, there's Peter Wright, Cam McCarthy on this list as well. I'm not really sure they're, they're as high profile there. But my check right up there. Yeah, maybe a little bit behind. Well, not maybe. Definitely a little bit behind the Jeremy Cameron level. But where does he fit with the Ben Brown, Joe Danaher group? Like, Which one of those guys would you be looking at to, to bring in as a forward? Well, he's not. I mean, my check isn't, as you said, he's not in the in the category of Cameron or, or even Ben Brown for mine. But he is a, a key player that could could fit the the second forward 
or the third forward in a pretty good team. And he can take a mark, and he's a lead-up player, but he's a beautiful kick as well. So uh, what team would like Brody Majacek? I mean, again, Melbourne has a few of those mid uh, range guys, but we think about uh, Luke Jackson, your guy up there, who obviously had some good moments this year. Wiedemann uh, as a player that, uh, again, in the second half of the year showed some promise. So Melbourne strikes me as a team that you could use my check. And if you're looking for another team that's probably just going to have cash and is probably going to chase players just because of the fact that they've gotten rid of their whole entire list, I mean, would North Melbourne overpay my check and him say, listen, I've been playing in a pretty good team in Collingwood, but I know I'm going to get a game for North Melbourne. And if they're going to pay me the money, uh, maybe I would go there because uh, North Melbourne, as we know, uh, certainly uh, threw their threw their name in the hat for basically every every play that's out there. So uh, they don't often get them, but they're they're always rumored to be involved. So maybe North Melbourne is a team that tries to uh, to to grab uh, my check there. You want to talk about something that's a consistent theme throughout Trade Week? North Melbourne throwing their name into the hat. The other one is Essendon complaining overvaluing, asking for too much, and just being general dicks around trade period. And it's, it's Sorry to Essendon supporters, but it happens every year. We're going to need 18 first-round draft picks in order to get this bloke who's played two games off our, off our books, and we're not going to do it. And it just always goes down to the wire with Essendon every time. And now with the news that Adam Saad has said, oh, I'm out, I'm, I'm leaving Essendon, um, I want to go to Carlton. That car, obviously, that huge bonus there, and yeah, then buying him a car is what uh, is what switched it. But the you know, reports are he didn't like what his role was, or the ever changing nature of his role, the inconsistency in uh, the coaching staff, and he just didn't he didn't really like the club because apparently the offer from Carlton outside of the car is basically the same as what he was being offered at Essendon. So they're pretty pissed about that, and now they're gonna you know, dig in and and yeah, not give him up unless they're getting multiple you know, first round picks or, or a lot back in, in a deal and. Um, it's obviously troubling for Essendon that a bloke has just said, well, you know, most of the time players leave for money. You go, oh, he's leaving for money. I understand that. But he's just like, I'm going to get the same money. I just don't want to be here. And that's not a great sign considering the way they ended this season and you know, the issues with the worst fold and, and rotten transition. It's not a great sign, uh, especially considering on the back of Danaher, like I want to go as well. Yeah, Adam Saab on his way over to Carlton. I, I really just want to know. The most thing I'm interested in here is whether or not he's getting that car. That's what I that's what I really want to know. But as far as Essendon go... Tom Brown will be on the case, don't worry. Uh, he will be. My favorite reporter, Tom Brown. Uh, listen, if you're Essendon right now, and and you know if you're online and you're looking at the response from, from Essendon fans, I think most Essendon fans are like, all right, man, yep, fair enough. You, you can you can go like I think they're that despondent about the state of this footy club right now that again they've also lost Connor McKenna as well who we spoke about so the uh, Fantasia is another one they're potentially going to go obviously as you mentioned Danaher is a guy that's been uh, you know in in these sort of talks is potentially leaving for a long time now so this has been a disaster for Essendon when you think about the players they brought in with Dylan Shield Devin Smith over the last couple of years they expected to contend not only have they not contended they haven't won a final and now players are leaving because basically uh, they don't want to be at the club anymore. And I, I think it's a huge concern that Adam Saad had the same deal on the table, and as you said, as the reports suggest, that he wasn't happy with his role. And the reason why I would be so concerned about that is the fact that this handover that was spoke about that's been so controversial with Essendon, now uh, Rutten is going to be there next year. So it's not even a Walsfold thing. It's not yeah. even a Walsfeld thing that he was worried about. He now still understands that Rutten is going to be literally on his own next year. He'll be the coach, and he still doesn't want to be there. 
uh, through that and to go through that process, despite the fact the deal was the same. And let's be honest, he's not going to Richmond. He's not going to to you know a, a Geelong or a team that's had sustained success and, and been in the finals for multiple years. He's going to Carlton. So whether or not you think that Carlton is going to be on the rise, he's not exactly going to a sure thing for a team that's going to have success either. And that's that's probably the concerning thing for mine. I mean, look, he, he's going to Carlton for, for goodness sake. It's just it's crazy. If you're an Essendon fan, you'd be as flat as you could possibly be right now. I'm gonna. I'll talk about Carlton a little bit more in a second. I'm gonna harp on about this. I'm sure throughout the coming months. But the AFL's player movement system is a joke, because I don't understand how a player like Adam Saad, who is 26 years of age, he's had multiple contracts. This is his second team, and yet he's out of contract. Yet he still you can't just leave it and go to another team. You have to, to be a free agent. You have to. I don't understand the free agency thing. You have to be in the top 25% of payers players paid at your club in order to qualify to be a free agent why isn't everybody a free agent why did Essendon now get to demand uh draft picks or trade um yeah reparations if Saad decides to leave it the system makes zero sense there is there are pretty easy and replicable systems all across the world where you can take the best bits of whereas the AFL's gone with free agency and play movement go let's do things that nobody does and let's get the worst of these other systems and put them together to make just an absolute disaster of a scenario where compensation picks are thrown around, where players are out of contract yet they can't move teams. The whole thing, and you can only move team if you're a, a high-paid player in this percentage. and you, it, not, None of it makes any sense to me. Surely Saad, at 26 years of age, not even a player that Essendon drafted. You can make that, well, we drafted him and we developed him. They didn't do that. So they don't have that excuse. And now they get, after his contract's done, he's fulfilled his end of the, the agreement. They fulfilled their end and they're still going to get something back. And even if he was a free agent, they'd still get something back in the end. The whole thing is just ridiculous to me that, that this system, it, when there are so many ways to be able to do it that makes sense. And the AFL says, nah, you know what? Let's just do it wrong every every step of the way. It does look like, and based on the picks that the Blues have, it looks like they'll, I mean, they'll probably end up getting pick seven. And which is know, a joke for a bloke who doesn't want to be there and is out of contract. It's a joke. It is. I, I mean, it's clearly not the best system. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think that the reason, and clearly the reason they've done it, and they, they've done it on the fly. They put free agency in kind of out of nowhere, and they haven't really been able to get it right uh, to this point. But I, I think. You know the the reason why they they did it in the first place was so every player just just didn't go to the same club and then those those floundering clubs uh, just got nothing. So that's the reason why they brought it in. But it's not quite right. I will say for Adam Sarda guy and he's absolute prime. Um, if you look at at other sports, then yes, technically, if if he is if a player is out of contract and wants to go somewhere else, then they can just leave and there probably shouldn't be any compensation at all. I mean that's generally the way it works. But uh, I will say that. I don't mind the fact that Essendon will get some sort of compensation. And why should and they? If, if they've if they've screwed it up and he is that unhappy there and they don't know how to handle it and this transition's been terrible and the whole club's been a disaster for however many years, why should they get rewarded with pick seven? Well, I don't know if they're getting rewarded because there's no guarantee that pick seven would be anywhere close to the player that Adam Saad is. And I, I think that pick in seven the could AFL, be better than Adam Saad. Well, of course it could be, sure. But the, the, I, I think that I, I don't have a problem with teams. Because if not, you you would. I mean, the AFL, you would just see teams that, that struggle, teams that, that 
don't have the financial stability that other teams do. And I'm not necessarily saying Essendon, but teams like North Melbourne, they, they, they just wouldn't survive because they would never win games because no one would ever go and play for them because the facilities aren't as good. The, the, uh, the, the clubs aren't as successful and they don't have a chance of being successful. So I understand why the AFL is doing it because when you look at other sports around the world, the one thing that they do have is money. And the AFL clearly doesn't have that. So I don't think it's perfect. I think they should change things. I could probably come up with a pretty quick system that would be a lot better than what it is. But do I have a problem with them getting pick seven? Not really. Okay. I Actually, I'm not sure that you talk about the North Melbourne example. Say, for example, this was North Melbourne where Saad wanted to go, right? In the end, if everyone wants to go to one team, no one's going to get paid. And this is player's job. And they they need... They were talking about my check. Well, he could stay with Collingwood and be getting 100000 a year as a rookie list player or minimum salary player pretty much and be on this good team and we're all good players here together but he doesn't want to do that because he needs to set himself up for the next four years of his career until it ends and get played so maybe he goes to North Melbourne maybe he goes to Adelaide and gets paid more money and has, has a larger role but say say that Saad said I, I want to go to North Melbourne because they're going to offer me more money so there's an opportunity here. I can go to North Melbourne. And then North Melbourne then has to give up pick three or whatever to, to get him. And that's the demand. So not only then does North Melbourne, they get that. They have the disadvantages of facilities perhaps. But then that other thing that they've got to help themselves build up, they lose it anyway. So they could, pretty the, rare. they could theoretically get Saad and, and keep that high draft pick. And that helps to build them up to become a better team. And the more success you have, the more money that comes in, you turn yourself around and all that sort of stuff. But if a player decides to go to a team like Carlton, who has been bad for years and years and years and years and years, and now they can add a Saad plus another piece into their, their developmental, and they say they lose that piece. So I, I don't think it necessarily works works that way um, with with you know, players. I just don't think everyone's going to be, well, we're all going to this one team because eventually people are going to get squeezed out and the money's not going to be there and playing time's not going to be there and it's just not going to work because it just doesn't, it's not what happens in other sports around the world. Not everyone just goes, we're going to two teams and that's it. Uh, they kind of do. And and we'll, and we'll and listen, we, we the situation with Majacek is pretty rare because you're talking about a 27-year-old that that's yeah. been a rookie for three years. So yeah, he might be a guy that will just go somewhere to get paid. There's no doubt about that. But most guys won't and it's not necessarily one club but it's the same you only need you only really need four or five clubs to be virtually ignored and all of a sudden the 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 competition sucks because there's there's five buys every single week and we've seen it and gold coast has been able to turn it around a little bit there's no doubt about that but they've been a team that has come in and it's a little bit different because they were they they were an expansion team but they've had a decade of of pretty much garbage football that they've been terrible and no one wanted to play for him because they're a rabble and you can look at north melbourne who was the player they got i mean they got higgins sure but then the other guys that they picked up jasper pittard jared Pollock. Pollock was on his third club pittard you know a borderline uh, uh, top uh top 18 player at a afl club anyway i mean they just haven't been able to pick up anyone and the reason for that is because no one wants to play for north melbourne yeah yeah, I, I can. I understand what you're saying. Look, but these their names is always in those discussions, and and people end up not going there. But <laughs> some of it is going to be if things are going to turn. North Melbourne was a, a good. They were a good team. It, it was a while ago now, but they, they haven't been terrible forever. This is a a period of time where they've had their struggles. But they they have. It's not like Gold Coast. They've been bad for ten years. Like they've had some moments where they've been been up there playing some pretty good footy. Yeah, you go back in, into the the late nineties, early two thousands, where they were the best team in the league over a period of time as well. And it's it's not a, an ongoing thing for for them. Um, I understand the facilities thing and some of that stuff is tough. But I just think the system is just so out of whack that 
I think there's a lot of those fears that everyone's going to go to one club. I just don't think it's founded in reality that that would be the case. And I think, yeah, the market would end up correcting um, with players who value different things. And players aren't going to be taking you know, huge pay cuts to all join up on the one. I, I just, I just don't think that that's a concern. But hey, this is the system we've got. It's imperfect and. Uh, I think there's a lot lot needs to be done, and that's uh, what's going on. So we're going to get this drawn-out Essendon-Carlton negotiation <laughs> once again. Now, Carlton, they're getting sad. Zach Williams apparently is going there as well, so they are loading up. We talked about, hey, they're going to put Zach Williams in the midfield. Well, I think getting sad would say, yes, they are, because sad will play that halfback role, and Williams will move into the midfield. This is a big improvement for them, and they were up and down this year. They had chances to make the eight uh, probably cost themselves with some poor performances down the stretch. This is a a definite bet that they are not finals or bust, but pretty close to it. Well, I think it's finals or bust. Interestingly enough, the one other player to think about with Carlton as well, particularly in relation to what they'll do with Zach Williams, is Nick Newman because he went down in that game against Melbourne at the start of the season. So he's 27 right now. He's going to be 28 in January. So 28 at the start of next year. So... Look, even though he hasn't played a lot of games, he's only played 51, he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to come into the back line. So Nick Newman will come in. Adam Sard will play in that back line. Obviously, uh, they lose Kate Simpson. So, look, they're looking pretty solid down there. We already know they have uh, Weeder in and obviously Liam Jones as well. So the back line's looking pretty steady. Charlie Kerno is going to be the key for them. But the question I want to ask you or the thing I want to throw out there, Carlton... They were they improved this year. There's no doubt. I was probably pretty hard on them. I thought they were disappointing. I thought they should have been better. I didn't think they showed. And whether or not it was the game plan and a little bit of it, to me, it feels like it was. They weren't able to to go defensive and slow down opposition runs. So that's not necessarily on the back six. That's on the midfield. Now, Zach Williams, I, I don't look at him and say, yeah, he's a guy that's going to turn around their defensive ability from the midfield. So I, I still think that there's huge question marks on Carlton. But if you're paying Zach Williams 800 plus. Adam Saad, 800 plus or thereabouts, whatever, 750 to 800, whatever, it's been reported around that mark. If you're paying those guys seriously up there, not that far off what you're paying Paddy Cripps, you better be good. No, yeah. you, you, you seriously better be good. So that's why it's finals are bust because when you look at the young guys coming through, everyone says, oh, look at Carlton, they've got all these young players. It's like, yeah, well, that's great. But you've just given 1.5, 1.6 million to Zach Williams and Adam Saad, who are both very good players. But they better be all Australian players if they're getting paid that much money next year for this team. Because if not, if they don't make that huge jump next year, in a couple of years, they're going to be in the position where we might be sitting here and saying, well, Carlton, uh, they, they kind of went a bit early with uh, those two signings, didn't they? And, and that's, that's I'm not saying they did the made the wrong decision by getting these two guys, because I think you have to, but now they've got to deliver. Yeah, that they do. They have, absolutely have to do that. And I don't mind if these guys aren't you know, all Australian-level players. But if the team finishes top six, uh, top five in this year, then pushes forward after that, then it is worth it. Because you don't have to be that player that comes in and absolutely you know, dominates and destroys at that price tag. Because a lot of the time, to get players in, you have to pay a little bit more than perhaps what that player is worth. And that could be the case here for both of these guys. But if they come in and they push them forward to their first finals berth in how, I don't even know how long, it's when was the last time they were in the finals? It was that uh, I don't know eight years, years, nine years, yeah. yeah. Whenever, however long that's been, and and then they can uh, they can do that. Then that that's a win, and then you continually improve from there. So there is uh, a massive year coming up for Carlton. But let's talk about something that is going to happen over this weekend for teams that are still playing. Kane, um, time for this or that. This or that. 
It's actually not because this or that I should have played earlier. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? Hey, who knows? Who knows what's going on anymore? Let's talk about what we're going to watch this weekend. Um, Collingwood, they went really big last week. They had uh, yeah, finals Cox out there. Grundy, they brought in Darcy Cameron. Do they go big again against Geelong? This is, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I went back and I had a look at the qualifying final from last year. The Pies won this game by 10 points over the Cats, but Brody Grundy was huge. He had 21 disposals. He completely dominated around the ground. Uh, the hitouts, and you'll love this one, Josh, the hitouts were 48 to 27. So Grundy had 21 disposals and 48 hitouts in this game. But the clearances, the Cats actually won 39 to 38, and they won the center clearances 11 to 4. The interesting thing from the Cats' perspective in this game, they did not have Reece Stanley, but they went with the Sava Radicalia, basically one out as the Ruckman. Now, that's not going to happen this week. Reece Stanley is going to be there, and I think the question mark for Geelong will be whether you bring Radicalia into the team. But I'm just curious. I mean, we've spoken about Brody Grundy a lot. We know he's been down. We know that Buckley actually leaned on Darcy Cameron in the center against Nick Natanui almost more than he did. It was basically a 50-50 split with Brody Grundy on Saturday night. So my question is, do you go in with Cameron, Grundy, and Cox against the Cats team that maybe will just have Stanley and Blitzovs, or will the Cats bring in Radaglia? I think the big man and the lineups and the way these two teams go uh, is going to be really fascinating. And again, uh, I always I, I like to predict a late change, but I, I wouldn't be too surprised if these two teams sort of suss out each other's lineups and maybe there is a, a late change there because I think that the Pies could go in too top-heavy here. Um, but if the Cats bring in Radaglia, maybe they will stick with the three tools. Yeah, that is interesting. And you talk about... Grundy's performance last year. Of course, this is a very, very different version of Brody Grundy. Whatever the reason is, just a decline in form or an injury. He's not the same player, and he hasn't had that impact really at all this year. So maybe he does need that extra support. So I think the Collingwood will keep the th- the three big guys in there. I'd mm. much rather Cameron running around the ground in uh, as a backup ruck than uh, Mason Cox. Just keep him down in the forward line. So I reckon they will stay big. That the concern there is with Geelong is if if Flitzavs is in the ruck, then that's a completely different sort of style of ruck. Ruckman for Geelong as he if he is the backup guy there. I don't think that I don't think that having Radaglier in or out makes a huge difference or is going to have too much of an impact on what Collingwood do. I think they would be like this worked for us last week. Maybe Geelong, you have to adjust to what we're doing here, especially if these guys start to have an impact. But you always run the risk of Cox doing nothing. But over the last four or five weeks, he's been much much better, and that puts extra pressure on that uh, on that defense and enabling guys like Cameron to push up and have an impact in both areas of the ground, in the midfield and, in, uh, in, and of course, the forward line. So I think they will go in big again. The one I want to watch this weekend is Max King against the Bulldogs, was really good early on, took a lot of contested marks and beat Alex Keith pretty comfortably. Noah Bolter's probably going to get first look at him, I would imagine, and Bolter's had a fantastic season. He's super young. I think he's only 21 years of age. Uh, King yeah, is similarly young. A real matchup of two guys who could be you know, one of the best key forwards in the league in five years' time versus one of the best key defenders in the league in five years' time. So it's a a future preview to one of those, I don't want to put too much on it, but you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, like, oh my God, it's Kerry Jakovic. Yeah, they, they were the matchups that we really love to watch. Could this be the beginning of that? And just seeing these two young guys go at it who are you know, really you know, playing above what their current age would suggest is uh, something I'm super interested in seeing how that goes down. Yeah, really, really difficult challenge for King this week because you mentioned Bolter, but they've also got Asprey. They've also got Grimes that'll be floating back into the pack. Dylan Grimes actually had 
Charlie Cameron on the weekend and struggled a little bit. He wasn't able to get back and fly uh, second and third man up in the contest, which he he does so well, does as well as anyone in the league. So I think the fact that uh, he won't have to deal with someone like Cameron, and, and sure, you might say, well, what if he gets one of the St. Kilda Smalls? But I think Richmond will do a better job of freeing up uh, Dylan Grimes here, and they're going to make life difficult for King. So we saw against your mob, Josh, that he was able to take some pack marks. I thought that the Bulldogs really wasted opportunities. I mean, he was marking some of those in uh, one-on-two, one-on-three situations and just, just outreaching those guys. I don't think that's going to happen against Richmond. So it's 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 going to be a huge challenge for him. Yeah, it is. And let's see if he's up to it because he was up to it in his first final last week. Let's see if he can take it from there and uh, and be you know, impactful and be a real focal point for them while dealing with a player of the caliber of Bolter. So it's going to be, I talked about the keys in terms of what the midfield does in that game yesterday. And now I'm mean, looking looking at that Saints forward line. And then, of course, you look at the Tigers forward line, which we'll probably talk a bit more tomorrow. With Tom Lynch returning, it's going to be you know, super interesting to see how all this pans out across semifinal week in the AFL. Kane, I reckon we might uh, leave it there. Uh, will do. We did also have uh, a question from Jaffman. I reckon we'll come back to that one. It was a pretty fun one, but I need more time to discuss it. But uh, looking forward to it. Finals uh, only a couple of days away now. Guys, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Patrick Vespremi.